Well, good morning. So, so good to be back at uh, Christchurch Surbiton. Uh, John, I want to thank you for your welcome. And uh, it's just yeah, a huge privilege to be uh, with you all again. I think I've been twice before. I think the last time though, I was I had to speak on a on, to a camera because it was probably down lockdown uh, during lockdown time and um, I much prefer seeing your faces than a camera in front of me so it's so good to be um, back with you. Some of you may remember um, Tim uh, and Claire Chilvers who um, used to be uh, members here and uh, their two boys uh, Caleb and Noah and um, they, they, they lead the church that I'm a part of uh, called Riverside in Birmingham and um, normally when they know I'm coming here they'll say oh please will you give them our greetings send them our love we love uh, everyone at uh, Christchurch Silverton and uh, he's actually on a sabbatical at the moment so I didn't have a chance to speak to him before I came but I'm sure if he knew I was here he would want me to say to you and Claire, um, just send you their love and their greetings. And uh, he, he remembers you fondly. Every time I mention any, you know, coming here, he's just always, you can see him just get all excited. And uh, so he loves you and just really appreciates you. So um, uh, do uh, receive his, his, his greetings. Well, I also want to thank you as a church for just your ongoing generosity, for your prayer for the way that you um, speak up for our brothers and sisters around the world who share our faith and not our freedom, and the way that you've given so generously as well as a church. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you, because on behalf of the millions of Christians around the world who live in countries where they don't have the same freedoms we have, they are just so, every time I meet with any of them, like John and I, we had the privilege of meeting some in Egypt. They always say, please really thank those who've stood with us, who've prayed with us, because uh, without them, we're not sure that we could keep going. So on behalf of our brothers and sisters, thank you so much. As John said, I will mention God Smuggler and um, Brother Andrew. Many of you um, may uh, remember Brother I don't know if this, oh, there it is. Brother Andrew, uh, he, he actually went to glory a couple of weeks ago. And uh, at the age of 94, and uh, he was ready to go. His wife had gone a year or so before him, uh, but um, his, his legacy lives on. And um, we've just spent the last uh, few couple of weeks just celebrating his life and celebrating all that God has done through him. But I remember when I, f- my, when I first met Brother Andrew, when I first started at Open Doors, uh, 10 years ago, and uh, I sat in his house. And I, I tell you, I was expecting, half part of me was expecting to go to this grand place. You know, Brother Andrew, this guy who wrote God Smuggler, he must have this uh, incredible house. And it was just a normal, small house. And uh, he lived a very um, normal life. Uh, in, well, in many ways, obviously, he did some pretty crazy things. But um, he lived in a normal house. And uh, I remember saying to him, Brother Andrew, someone starting out in this ministry, what advice would you give? And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, if I had my time again, I would take more risks. (laughs) This is a man who took huge risks for Jesus. Uh, And yet he's there at the end of his life saying, I would take more. And I don't know about you, but I quite like life to be fairly comfortable, fairly safe. You know, I like a few things now and again to add a bit of excitement But generally, I like to kind of stay within my comfort zone. 
But uh, actually, you know, we're called, aren't we, to be followers of Jesus and to do the things that he has called us to. And I just want to encourage you, if you've not read it or you want to read it again like John, just to inspire you in your faith and walk with Jesus, then uh, do, um, do grab a copy. This is my last copy. Um, I went to a conference yesterday and they took the lot. So um, I tell you what you can do if you'd like a copy. This postcard here, um, if you just stick, put your name and address on there, tick um, the box to say you'd like to receive a free God smuggler, and we'll, we'll send it to you this week. So um, if you'd like one, if you'd like to receive a free copy, as our thanks to you for your support for our brothers and sisters, then please do um, do, do, do that, and uh, I'd love to send one to you. Each year we produce the World Watch List, which I know many of you are familiar with, which takes us through the top 50 countries in the world. This is the map uh, of the... And, you know, it used to be, there used to be lots of yellow countries when I first started, um, but now they're all red and, and orange, and that represents, actually, that persecution has got tougher, has got harder. And you can look at that map in two ways. One way you could look at it and think... How terrible our brothers and sisters around the world who are facing suffering. That's awful. But you could also look at it and think, isn't it amazing that there are people in these countries who are willing to spread the good news of Jesus and tell the good news of the gospel? Because if they weren't, then there wouldn't be persecution. And so that's another way of looking at it to celebrate actually that there are people, there are our brothers and sisters, our family who are willing to live for Jesus no matter the cost. And um, we do produce uh, the World Watch List, which you can go through uh, 50, those 50 countries and pray for. The, again, I haven't got many, but if you'd like one, then you can, you can grab one on the table there on your way out. We also produce something for uh, members of Parliament as well, because we launch it in Parliament each year, because the World Watch changes. And um, this, is, uh, this is just the, uh, this is called the Parliamentary Report, which is given to the MPs. And again, we'll be doing that in January. So if you'd like to receive the new one in January 2023, again, leave me with your details on this card and um, we'll gladly send you a free copy of that. We also do um, uh, for children and families. And so uh, if you'd like to go through the World Watch uh, as a family, then um, do take this. And uh, it's a map that you can put up on your wall. There's stickers, so as you pray for different countries, you can put a sticker up. There's also a little, uh, we call it a passport, but obviously it's not a real passport. But as you travel around the the countries on the map, you can just, there's some... uh, there's some stories and things in there that are, uh, are carefully put in there for children. And, uh, and also there's maps and things they can colour in and all that kind of stuff. So if you like to do that as a family and pray for the persecuted church, then take one of those white envelopes. And uh, just we'd love to resource you as best we can to continue and pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. So life seems full of tests sometimes, doesn't it? Don't you think that? I, and when you think about it, you go to school, don't you, and tests, you have get tests at school, uh, and when you reach the age of 17, you might start learning to drive, and you have to have a driving test. Uh, people like me have to have eye tests, um, maybe a pregnancy test, maybe blood tests, fitness tests. More recently, lateral flow tests. Life just seems full of tests, doesn't it? 
tests. And, and if you just think through this last six weeks for a minute, and what we've been through as a, as a nation, we've had a new prime minister, we've experienced the death of the queen, we've and celebrated her life, we've uh, got a new king, we've had the cost of living crisis, here open, uh, open doors, we've experienced Brother Andrew going to glory. There's been the Pakistan floods. There's all the disruption going on in Iran. There's the war in Ukraine. Uh, just on Friday, we discovered we've got a new chancellor, Jeremy Hunt. I mean, it's, it, it all just seems like things. the world is a little bit crazy right now, don't you think? And we're living in times of, of testing, times where actually we can think, where is the stability right now? What do I hang on to? What do I grab hold of in this time of uncertainty? And the Bible tells us that times of testing can be used to give glory to God and can be used for good. And they prove that uh, our faith to be genuine and authentic and they lead to a refining a reforming, a deepening of our character and commitment to Jesus. And, and here in this passage that we just had uh, read, read to us in 1 Peter 1, I just want to read another section of it again from verse 6. It says this, In all this you greatly rejoice. Friends, we've got so much to rejoice about. Even with all the different things we're going through, we can be sure you know that we have the promise of Jesus with us. So in this we greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials, these have come so that you may, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Friends, I just want to bring out three simple points from this passage that Peter writes. And the first is this. Testing is real. Testing is real. We will go through times of testing, but it is temporary. It's temporary. It's not going to last. This world isn't going to last. It's temporary. Verse 6, in this I greatly rejoice, though now for a, a little while. Friends, you, I don't know what situations that you might be facing or going through, but I want to encourage you that actually it's not going to last. It's temporary. And in verse 3, we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. Friends, we have hope that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Friends, testing is real, but it's temporary. Second is this. Testing refines faith. Testing refines our faith. Peter uses the picture of gold, doesn't he, being refined in the fire, suffering has a way of, of like loosening, removing, taking away our, our attachments, the things we maybe hold tightly to, but actually we discover we don't really need. You know, when, when gold is refined in the fire, it gets heated up, doesn't it? 
and the impurities rise to the top and then those impurities can be removed and then it will go through the process again. And the more it's refined, the more it goes through that, that, that fire, that heat, and the more it's refined, the purer the gold is and the more valuable it becomes. And friends, many of us may be finding ourselves now and again going through that refining fire, but it's actually to purify us, to make us as gold before Jesus. In Iraq, when the so-called Islamic State swept across the Nineveh Plain in northern Iraq a few years back. Dr. Rebia, he lost everything he had strived for in his life. In the space of hours, Dr. Rebia lost all of his wealth and everything. Rebia ran a successful business. He owned a few properties. He had a number of cars and owned a lot of land. This in itself gave him status and influence. You could say he had it all, but in a few hours, everything changed. As as ISIS swept through his town to cleanse it for Christians, Dr. Rebia had to grab his wife, his kids, and they literally ran for their lives. Persecution turned Rebia's life upside down. But I tell you what, it deepened and refined his faith. Rebia said this. He said, before they took away everything, I was a Christian only by name. But now, my faith is alive. Isn't that incredible? Dr. Rebia realized that actually all the wealth, all the things that he thought gave him that sense of status, he didn't really need it. He discovered afresh Jesus was all he really needed. And friends, I, I, I've met persecuted Christians who've said to me, uh, you, you discover Jesus is all you need when actually he's all you've got. Third thing is this. Testing means encountering more of Jesus. We become more like Jesus. When we're refined in the fire, the gold becomes pure and even more valuable. And perhaps today, here at Christchurch, you need to be reminded how precious, how valuable you are to Jesus. In God's eyes, he sees you as, 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 as pure gold, as valuable. Even though you may feel in yourself that actually you're not worth an awful lot. God made you and created you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. And Jesus knows what it's like to be tested. He went through all that suffering for us, didn't he? He knows what it is to be hated, to be mocked, to be put to death. In Isaiah 43 too, it says this, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jesus is with us in testing and refining. And that's what our persecuted brothers and sisters teach us. I just want to share uh, with a couple of minutes left, if that's okay, just a couple of stories. Um, I remember being in Egypt. This was a different time to when I was in Egypt with John. And um, we went to, I don't know if you can move on to the next slide. Yeah, we went to um, a church that had been burnt down. 
And uh, the minister, after it had been burnt down, he went to back to his church and found all the, the remains and, of Bibles and Christian literature. And in fact, uh, this pastor, he gave me a page of a Bible that looked a little bit like that one. And I've, I've um, framed it and put it on my wall to remind me to pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt. And he said he went around his church, there were the remains of it, and he said he called the church together and they gathered in the remains of the building. And he said that we gathered with heavy hearts, as you can imagine. And he said we didn't really know what to do. The only thing we knew to do was to pray and to worship. And so that's what they did. And he said that their heaviness kind of left them as God's presence came into the remains of their church building. And he said so much so that a, a, a lightness came upon them. And so they went out of the church. And on the, a wall that was remaining, they wrote the words, we forgive. We forgive. And as a result of that, there, are, well, there were members of the Muslim Brotherhood who were now followers of Jesus because of the act of forgiveness. Just love to share one last um, story with you. Of uh, uh, I went to a, a country in North Africa, and in this country, there's only 30 churches left. The others have all been closed down, and I was spent a, a few days with uh, a minister of one of those churches, and uh, he was telling me in this country to follow Jesus, you basically lose your rights to everything. He said, you can't buy a house, you can't see a doctor. Your children can't go to school. He said, you can't have a bank account. It just, it, it's really hard to live in. And in fact, Christians are not allowed really to live in communities with other people. They have to go and find somewhere else to live. And so they live um, in their own communities. But he said this. He said, every month we have baptisms, adult baptisms, and he said, we're disappointed if we have less than 100 people being baptized every single month. In a country where when they decide to follow Jesus, it means giving up everything. I was like, wow, that's incredible. How do, how do you do that? What's the secret? I mean, if we saw that in England, we'd think it was revival. And he said, well, we pray. He said, we're not allowed to go out and tell people about Jesus. He said, we have a prayer room, which we just, we constantly pray. And I said, can I come and see it? He said, yes, you can. I went to this room and it was like the presence of God there was just so strong. And uh, he said, uh, they, they stopped and they asked me where I was from. And I said, England. And then they started praying for me and started praying for England. And I was like, well, no, I've come to, to encourage you and to bless you and to pray for you. And they were there. And they, I tell you what, they weren't just praying like us English people. They were praying with passion. They were praying with tears running down their faces as they prayed for us. I was just moved by this. And he said to me, he said, um, he said one day, this, the ministry said one day I had a knock on my door and, and he said there was a lady at the door and he answered it. And she said, Pastor, I need to speak to you. I had a dream last night. And Jesus revealed himself to me in a dream and, said, and that told me he wanted to be my friend. He said, can you explain this to me, she said. So he invited her into a house. He brought his wife in as well, and they had a coffee together. And he explained to her the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And she decided to give her life to Jesus. And she said, this is incredible. 
She said, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. She said, I'm going to have to go back and tell my friends and family about this. And so she left. But Well, before she left, he said to her, you, you, need, to re- you need to realize that's a really dangerous thing to do. And she said, yeah, I know, but this is too good. I've got to go back and tell them. So she left. And he said he didn't hear from her for over two weeks. And he assumed the worst had happened because that it often does. And he said two weeks later, there's a knock on the door and he goes to the door, opens it. And it's this lady and he's, he's just delighted to see her again, to see that she's alive. And he said, she said, Pastor, Pastor, I need to speak to you. And he invited her in and they sat down. And she said, I, I need to tell you, I've spoken to every woman in my mosque. Now, I need to tell you, these mosques are huge. Uh, in this, this city that I was staying in, there, they are uh, uh, over, well, one mosque we went past was about a mile long. She said, I've spoken to every woman in my mosque. And she said, every woman has had exactly the same dream of Jesus. Isn't it incredible? What God is doing around the world through prayer. Through prayer. Friends, we need to be praying. We need to recognize that actually prayer makes a difference. And our prayers can change the world. But that wasn't the best thing he told me about. I tell you what, he told me so many stories, but I want to finish with this. He told me that he hears when one person in his country, I don't know how he is, but he, he often hears when one person in his country decides to follow Jesus. And he says he makes it his mission to go and be with them, to go and see them, to give them their first Bible, to pray with them, to, uh, to, to, break, to have sharing the Holy Communion with them for the first time. He says those first two weeks of following Jesus are the most dangerous time. And so he makes it his mission to be there. And he said, sometimes I have to travel across the Sahara Desert, several hundred kilometers. And he said, uh, I said, go across the desert? I said, how do you go across the desert? And we were driving around in his car at the time. And I tell you, this car we were in would never pass an MIT in our country. It had broken windscreens that we had to stop regularly to fill up with water because it had a leak in the radiator. Uh, it just was not fit for purpose. And I said, so what, what vehicle do you use to go across the Sahara Desert? thinking that he probably hires a four-wheel drive vehicle or something. They said, no, I go in this car. I said, wow. He said, yeah, it's, it's pretty dangerous. He said, I, um, he said if we, uh, I have to get out regularly because I have to relieve myself. I have to fill up the car with, um, with water and with fuel. And uh, he, said that, but, uh, he said, sometimes we get these, um, we get these storms. And uh, he said, that you never know quite when they're going to come, these sandstorms. And he said, they have hundreds of black scorpions in. And I said, what would happen if one of those black scorpions was to sting you? And he said, I'm not sure because I've not experienced it yet. But I've been told that I'd probably be unconscious after a few hours. And if with no help and no, uh, no first aid, I'd probably be dead within 24 hours. I said, so hang on a minute. You're willing to risk your life, lead your church, which is rather large now, to go and, and minister to one person who you've just heard has become a follower of Jesus. And he said, yes, I am. Friends, that reminded me of someone. 
of Jesus who's willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. He knew the call of God on his life. He knew what God had commissioned him to do. Friends, are we those who know what God has called us to do? Who are willing, no matter what it takes, to live for Jesus and to show the goodness of Jesus to our friends, to our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our streets, in our homes, so that people can find Jesus. Should we pray together? Maybe the band kids, um, the worship team could come. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege we have of worshipping you. Lord, thank you for our brothers and sisters who, who just teach us a glimpse of what it means to follow you no matter what. Lord, we recognize that each of us, we go through times of testing. You promised we would. You said yourself that if, if they hated me, they'll hate you also. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. And Jesus, you also said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters to you today who share our faith but not our freedom. Would you strengthen them today? Would you give them everything they need to keep going? And for us here in Surbiton, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength that we need to be salt, to be light, to be your ambassadors here on earth, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen.